Transstorm. Our final topic, picked by you, dear listeners, earlier in a poll on our Facebook page, is Tulsi, a new hope, or another Obama? Focusing on whether Tulsi Gabbard is the real deal or not. Democratic presidential candidate Tulsi Gabbard inspires many Americans with her peacemaking rhetoric, but some skeptics fear that she's nothing more than another Obama. Many disgruntled Americans applauded the native Samoans' promise to end regime change wars if she wins the 2020 election. And given the Hawaiian congressional representative's previous deployment in Iraq as part of the National Guard, a lot of people think that she's sincere with her pledge after seeing the terrors of war firsthand. Part of her appeal is that she's also considered to be something of a renegade after resigning from her post as the vice chair of the Democratic National Committee in early 2016 to support Bernie Sanders' ultimately failed candidacy. The surprise meeting that she had with Syrian President Assad in early 2017 and her condemnation of the Trump administration for protecting al-Qaeda and other jihadist forces earned her hearty praise from anti-war activists on both sides of the aisle, but inadvertently contributed to the political establishment smear attacks against her as a so-called Kremlin puppet. That weaponized variation of the long-debunked Russiagate conspiracy theory is clearly intended to harm her candidacy as revenge against her for dropping the DNC in order to support Sanders, to say nothing of her stance on Syria. That said, there are growing concerns among some skeptics that Tulsi might not be the new hope that she and her supporters are portraying her as. Some of the political faults that various critics point out are that she's linked to Hindu nationalists and is close to the Syrian Kurds, the first mention of which has been documented by the Organization for Minorities of India, while the latter was just revealed when she invited the co-president of the Syrian Democratic Council as her guest at Trump's recent State of the Union speech. Cynics allege that she can't really be as pro-peace as she says she is if she associates with Hindu nationalists whose movements have been accused of inspiring anti-Muslim lynchings in India. The same as how she supposedly can't be all that pro-Syrian if she's siding with an organization that wants to de facto internally partition the country. Tulsi's undoubtedly one of the hottest political forces to throw her hat in the 2020 election, but just like Obama turned out, she might also be too good to be true. Folks, as I said, Tulsi is one of the hottest political topics today, especially in the alt media. So I'm very honored to say that we're going to be speaking to two very prominent alt media voices today who will tell us what they think about her. Now, folks, we're going to switch over here what Mr. Patrick Henningsen has to say. He is the executive editor of the news and analysis website, 21stCenturyWire.com. Trendstorm. Okay, Patrick, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Tulsi's connections to Hindu nationalists, a claim that she's described as a smear attack that goes against American values. So what's your take on this scandal? And do you think that her links with certain controversial figures is just politics or does it signify a deeper sympathy? It's difficult to say. A lot of people are are trying to second guess what Tulsi Gabbard's affiliations are. And rightfully so. People want to know exactly what's behind these purported links with Hindu nationalists and so forth. I mean, you have to look at Tulsi Gabbard as a kind of much more 
she's a candidate that's got potentially a much broader appeal internationally. So, you know, from a diplomatic point of view, there is a lot more doors potentially open for someone like Tulsi Gabbard than other candidates. So she has a potentially has the kind of appeal, not unlike Barack Obama in that sense. So she's a transformational candidate in that vein. That's very important, by the way, for United States politics to be a transformational candidate. That's what sets you apart from the competition. However, to be realistic, I, I don't even think uh, many of her foreign policy positions are going to stand up against the just unrelenting onslaught of media attacks, which will be followed by basically ignoring her, airbrushing her right out of the picture, which in a way that they did to Ron Paul in both the 2008 and 2012 presidential campaigns, they effectively just erased him. And I don't think Tulsi Gabbard has the broad base support even that Ron Paul had with this amazing mosaic that he put together in terms of a libertarian, Republican, paleoconservative, anti-war coalition. I mean, she does have potential, but on the domestic front, she's not as transformational as she is on the foreign policy, potentially on the foreign policy front. So it's interesting, though. She's a very interesting candidate. Yeah, I think her candidacy is very unique, not only because of her positions, but also the a lot of attention, both positive and negative, that it's generated. Now, Patrick, if we continue along the foreign policy front about Tulsi, I mean, on the one hand, she signaled that the U.S. should stop its involvement in the war on Syria. She's been very firm about that. Yet, on the other, she invited a leading Kurdish political figure to the State of the Union and encouraged that person to talk about how Trump's planned withdrawal could endanger the Kurds. So, Patrick, what gives? In U.S. politics, I I have yet to see a U.S. politician that will frame the Kurdish issue realistically, basically. And and Tulsi Gabbard has come out and said, you know, she wants to end this new Cold War, uh, stop military intervention and no new nation building. Well, what is the Kurdish project but nation building uh, writ large, basically? And the Kurds, in quotes, (laughs) this is seen in U.S. politics as sort of safe ground by default. So in other words, so we, you know, we can argue about military interventions, the pros and cons, but we can all agree that the Kurds, quote, are our allies. And this is just traditionally a U.S. default talking point. And let's face it, the U.S. are basically desperate for allies in the Middle East. So they look at the Kurds as, as exactly that. But to think that, you know, an ethnic nomadic tribal group of people deserve a homeland by tearing off uh, one third of, a, of the Syrian Arab Republic is crazy, basically. But, you know, to pull her up on these sort of details during the campaign at the moment is neither here nor there. She's already light years ahead of the rest of her Democratic colleagues in terms of a sort of non-intervention pro-peace foreign policy emphasis. But, you know, in this case, you can say there are some principles that in terms of her Kurdish position that it's just not tenable. And in, quite frankly, if you've been brought that up in a presidential debate on U.S. national TV, the audience nor the moderators would know what you're talking about. They would just go, the Kurds are our friends. They're our allies. We need to look after them. That's the conversation ends there, basically. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, you're never going to have the so-called perfect political candidate in any party or even if there's an independent running. Now, the last thing I want to talk with you about, Patrick, is uh, Tulsi's uh, relationship with Russia. I mean, she's on the record talking about the importance of a special investigation into the Russia gay conspiracy claims, though she also recently tweeted that she will, and this is to quote her tweet, 
will work to end the new Cold War, nuclear arms race, and slide into nuclear war, end quote, if she's elected. So, Patrick, what do you think her true position on Russia really is? I mean, on one hand, her, some of her detractors in the establishment are trying to call her a Russian puppet, which is totally absurd. Yet, on the other hand, she seems to have some sympathy for the Russia gay conspiracy claim. So what's really going on here? This is a minefield uh, politically. I think even more so uh, on the Democratic side of the ticket. Because if she if she shows if she doesn't show enough aggression towards Moscow, then she'll be branded as a Kremlin stooge. I mean, she's already on the cusp of that by by the virtue of the fact that she actually traveled to Syria and, and entered the country legally. For the first U.S. politician to do that, normally they just sneak across the Turkish border into Idlib, a la John McCain and Evan McMullen and Adam Kissinger. But no, so so she's already set herself apart in that respect. So she's already a target. She's already taking heavy incoming from the media for maybe not being as uh, anti-Russian. In this environment, this hysterical environment, especially on the Democratic side, if you're not attacking Russia, you're a Kremlin stooge or you're pro-Putin. If you're not attacking them, if you're neutral, that's, you know, you know, even worse. So that's the reality of U.S. politics. It's a total. The, the media are a pack of hyenas. If you saw her on MSNBC with Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski this week, they basically just circled her like a pack of dogs and went in there. And so in that environment, you have to throw out some red meat to the media. And so the, the, then the conversation becomes diluted and, and kind of meaningless. And so she is in danger of sort of being dragged into that when, in fact, you know, anybody who's taking a sober look at the Russia gate at the Mueller investigation, you know, that it is a complete fraud. There is no evidence of Trump-Russia collusion. If there was, it would have been made public two years ago. Trust me, it would have been made public before the election, but they didn't have any. So they're just dragging this out in order to knock down uh, Donald Trump's uh, opinion poll ratings through the, into the 2020 elections. I hope to get an edge by doing that in terms of an electoral edge. I and mean, that's really what the Mueller investigation is. So anybody challenging that, if Tulsi Gabbard challenged that orthodoxy, she would be run off the road immediately. I think she's playing it diplomatically right now in order to stay in the race. Unfortunately, that's my view of it. Okay, Patrick, our conversation really helped demystify some of the myths about Tulsi's candidacy, both in the positive and negative senses, and put her image as a transformational candidate into perspective. Thanks for sharing your insight with us. Always appreciate it. Trendstorm. Now, folks, if we think back on what both Don and Patrick shared us today, I think we can say that Tulsi is kind of something somewhere between a new hope and a new Obama. I know it seems like you can't really be both at the same time, but right now, we don't really know all that much about her. I mean, she's still revealing her ideas. We're finding out some of these connections that she has, some of them she refutes, some of them she's proud of. We are really have to find out more about her. But then again, how much did we really know about Obama when he ran? Does that mean that Tulsi is the new Obama? Or could she be a new hope, something in between? We just frankly don't know at this point. But I gotta say, as RT says, you gotta always question more. And here at Spooted, we're gonna always tell the untold. So definitely stay posted with Trendstorm. We're gonna keep you updated as your candidacy evolves. So folks, if you want to sound off and share what you think about this, please send us an email at radio at or find us on Facebook. And with this, we end this week's edition of Trendstorm, brought to you by Radio Sputnik. It was presented by me, Andrew Kripko. Thank you for listening, and take care. <laughs>